Welcome to episode 13 of A Year in a Day. I'm your host, Jamie Davis. In episode 12, I discussed evidence in family law cases with former Gaylor Hunt interns Olivia Daniels and Grace Massarelli. In this episode, I will be discussing the importance of self-care during the divorce process with fellow family law attorney Lynn McNally. Lynn is a board-certified family law specialist and partner with the Smith Debnam Law Firm here in Raleigh. You may recall that Lynn joined us on episode two of the podcast to discuss the pros and cons of mediation in family law cases, and we are glad to have Lynn back with us today. Welcome, Lynn. Hey, Jamie. Thanks for having me again. So as people navigate the divorce process, I find that they are usually aware that they need to consider the legal implications of their current marital situation, but that they often overlook one crucial area, and that area is self-care. Would you agree? I do agree. It's um, a common issue with all of my clients that they come to you specifically geared to talk about the facts of their case, but they don't come in such a way that they are physically or mentally prepared to go through everything they're going to have to deal with in the divorce process. Right. There's definitely more to it than how the law is going to apply to the facts of their particular case. It, it's, it's much more than that. I mean, that's the important part for us. Um, but the important parts for our clients is that they get through it in a way that they can actually thrive and not just deconstruct. Right. So you have to stay healthy. And in order to stay healthy, I think that you need to practice really good self-care. How would you define self-care? Well, I can define it for me because I've been thinking about self-care for me for several years now. Um, and for me, it's being mindful of what I'm doing for myself on a daily basis that allows me to be clear-headed, um, that allows me to sleep well, uh, that allows me to feel good so that I can be productive in my day-to-day -day life. I can maintain good relationships. I can do my job well for my clients. I can interact with people well. Um, there's a lot that goes into that, that if you're not mindful of it, you may, you may not get it. Right. Absolutely. So it sounds like we're talking about a few different things here. Maybe we're talking about emotional health, also physical health, and maybe some sort of, I guess, how we could define it as relational health, maybe how your relationships are yes. um, with other folks. Absolutely. So, Let's talk about emotional health first. When we talk about emotional health, what do we mean? Well, what I mean is the ability to go through, for my clients particularly, for them to go through the grieving process in a way that is productive. Um, and, and that might look different to each person. Um, some people... Most people probably um, need to be able to process the feelings that they're experiencing when they go through a divorce with somebody who can help them. Sometimes that's a friend. Um, sometimes it's a family member. 
Uh, but many times it's helpful to have an objective professional, like a counselor or therapist, to help you process those feelings. Um, I, I don't think you can be emotionally healthy until you have had an opportunity to actually feel those feelings and process them um, in a productive way. Because there are plenty of times that my clients will process or ignore those emotions in destructive ways. Right. I think it's really important that you refer to it as a grieving process because it's so true for many people going through a divorce is much like dealing with the death of a loved one. And you're going to experience those various stages of grief at different points during the divorce process. And if you are not at least cognizant of that fact um, and try to, you know, develop an understanding of what is going on with your emotions, you're going to have a really hard time dealing with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Divorce is definitely a loss um, and a process that you need to grieve. And there's also the added issue of the unknown, right? When you are starting through the divorce process, there are so many questions about how, how are you going to make financial ends meet? What am I going to do when I don't have the children on Christmas? I mean, there's this just huge load of unknown that can just send you into a tailspin. Um, and so it's important, I think, for, for you to have somebody who can help you process that and to give you tools to manage those um, stressful and anxious emotions as they come up during the process. So in addition to having a person that you can talk to, whether it be your therapist or a friend or a family member, what do you think are some other things to consider in terms of making sure you are taking care of your emotional health during the divorce? One question that I get from my clients fairly regularly is whether they're going to get penalized by a judge or by the opposing party if they actually seek help uh, from, let's say, a therapist. Um, and I, I understand that concern. What I say to those clients is that recognizing that you have an issue that you'd like to deal with in a constructive way is actually um, a bonus. Uh, that you're you're seen as somebody who can recognize an issue, find the resource to help you resolve the issue, and move on in a positive way. So I, I don't I don't think that judges do hold it against people to seek the help that they need in this very difficult time. No, I agree with you completely. I think the bigger issue is when folks don't recognize that they have an issue and they don't get the help that they need. Maybe they start self-medicating. Maybe they start drinking. Maybe they turn to drugs or some other destructive behavior. And at the end of the day, that's going to be a much bigger detriment, especially to a custody case, than mm -hmm. if they would have just gone to the therapist and, you know, maybe gotten some medication. Maybe that's what they needed. Yeah. Maybe they needed talk therapy. Um, but addressing the problem certainly shouldn't be held against you. Right. And you, you make a good point. And that is sometimes it's appropriate for there to be some medication prescribed. Um, when it is, it's a good thing. And it can be incredibly useful. Um, it's generally not, in my experience, something that's prescribed long term, but it's something that helps you through the acute issues that you're dealing with at the time. Right. It's situational. That's right. And it, and you shouldn't feel bad about that. Uh, you shouldn't 
um, be embarrassed that that's maybe an avenue that you have to explore during this really difficult time. Um, you should just do it mindfully with the help of the professional that's that you're working with. What do you think about folks that compare their divorces to maybe their friends' divorces? Uh, that is something, gosh, I deal with that all the time because everybody knows somebody that's gone through this. Um, as people are going through it, they have three or four friends or family members that are going through it at the same time. It's it's so prevalent and it can be it can appear comforting to talk to somebody who is similarly situated um, because they know in in some respects what you're going through. But it can be incredibly unproductive a lot of the times. Um, misery loves company. That's right. And sometimes people can can ramp each other up about things. Um, it, it is nearly impossible for you to compare your case, um, your facts to anybody else's. It's just not apples to apples. And I get lots of questions from my clients about why their friend is getting $2,500 a month in child support and they're just getting $1,200 a month in child support. But if you have a different number of kids and a different custodial schedule and people's incomes are different, the outcomes are going to be. Um, so it, it's connect with your friends um, connect in a positive way, but recognize that your case can't really be compared to another person's. Right. I mean, these situations are so fact specific. There is no way that when your friend is telling you about his or her divorce situation, that he or she is going to tell you every single little detail that goes into the analysis of whether a particular custody schedule is in the best interest of particular children, right? Mm -hmm, so right. maybe the schedule is in the best interest of your friend's kids, but maybe your kids have, I don't know, a learning disability or some other special need that the schedule just won't work for them. Right. And, you know, back to your child support example, they're probably not going to be sharing their income information with you. And so you're not going to have any idea where this child support number came from. I mean, I agree with you. It is great to bond with your friends over over this experience because it is such a life-changing experience, but not to get bogged down in the detail of what did or did not happen in their case. That's right. Well, and with the advent of social media and meetup groups and online platforms where people who are going through divorce can communicate with each other. You don't even know what states these people are in. That's right. And the law from state to state on these issues can vary so greatly, you just can't compare. Agreed. What do you think it does for a person's emotional health to begin dating immediately following separation? Oh, um... In general, I advise against that, not just for the emotional health issue, but for, for plenty of other legal reasons. But I, I think that it has to take some significant time to process. Um, and, and you can compare that to non-marital relationships, you know, when you're sort of, what's it, a rebound relationship, right? That's what it's called. Um, it's called that for a reason, and it's usually not a good reason. Right. Um, jumping back into something so quickly, I, I don't think allows the opportunity for you to fully process 
the emotions that you have to deal with going through the divorce. Um, again, there are a lot of lo- other legal implications that dating could have. Um, and it, it's a distractor, I think. I mean, part of, in my opinion, self-care is being mindful and really being in the moment of understanding what you're going through, what you're feeling, um, and, and being present. And I feel like jumping back into a dating relationship is just something that distracts. It's, it's not, you're not trying to process the emotion. You're trying to ignore the emotion. That's right. And you're putting all of your emotional focus on someone else, right? Yes. Instead of turning it in toward yourself and saying, what can I do to number one, make myself feel better. And number two, to be better, you are turning your efforts outward and, you know, trying to create some brand new relationship with someone else. And I think that that can be, as you said, very distracting. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Um, We only have so much energy. And when you are going through the divorce process, you really need to conserve your energy and you need to conserve your focus to make the difficult decisions that you're going to have to make um, and not get distracted from that process. Right, because typically this is not a short process that we're talking about. I mean, a a typical divorce in North Carolina is going to take at least a year and a day, right? Sure. And so you need to be able to have the energy to make it through that year and get through the process. That's right. And and you will get through that process. I, I have heard one of my law partners say for many years to her clients that you will feel like a different person in 12 months. And it sounded kind of trite when I heard it the first time, but I have seen it play out in almost every case. Um, You can heal through the process and you can come out better on the other side. You just have to trust the process a little bit and do the work to get there. Well, and you know, this may sound trite as well, but there's something kind of nice about getting a do-over. You know, maybe, maybe you liked the way things were the first time around with your marriage Maybe you liked the person that you had become. Maybe you didn't want to be separated. But the reality of the situation is that you are separated now and you've got this great opportunity for a do-over to do whatever things it is you want to do with the rest of your life. That's right. And and even in those moments, which anybody who goes through the, the divorce process will have, it's hard to see the positive sometimes. And it's in those moments that I think an act of self-care, whatever that means to you, is the most important. Whether that's taking 10 minutes to sit down and just breathe, or writing in a journal if that's your thing, or taking a walk outside and just sort of refocusing and being present. I mean, you need those moments. You need those mindful activities and the times that you just can't see the positive because they help. (laughs) They really help you find that positive again. So why is it that taking care of your emotional health during a divorce is so important? Well, from the perspective of a family law attorney, I can do more, more efficiently for my clients who are healthy enough to engage with me actively in this process. There are plenty of things I can do for my clients, but there are some things that I absolutely cannot do for them. Um, I can't tell myself 
what assets exist. I can't make a decision for my client about what custodial schedule he or she is willing to accept. I can't tell my client what kind of custodial schedule we're going to ask the court to order if it comes to that. Um, There are some very important decisions that only my clients can make. And those who take care of their emotional health during the process are more equipped to make those decisions and make good decisions in that regard. Right. I think there is a danger when folks are first separated that they become paralyzed um, and unable really to make any decision because of the anxiety and stress that being separated causes. I mean, again, it is a huge life change. And so completely normal to feel these emotions. But the key is to find a way out of that particular situation. And as you said, whether it's take a walk or refocus or, you know, take meds, whatever you need to do, you've got to be able to move forward and to put one foot in front of the other. Um, Something I tell my clients a lot is to not, especially at the beginning, to think big picture because that can be very overwhelming to take it day by day and to baby step through each individual issue. And hopefully by doing that, you know, you're not going to get overwhelmed with, oh my gosh, what is the Christmas schedule going to look like if it's, you know, January 15th? Let's worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Who's going to have the kids tomorrow? How are you going to pay this month's bills? Let's talk about that stuff first. Um, So yeah, I think it's really important for these folks to practice self-care so that they can help us do that. Right. Well, and the, the concept of picking your battles is huge. Um, you don't have to fight every battle with your spouse as you're going through this process. You shouldn't fight every battle. Um, and those of my clients who are aware of caring for their emotional health throughout the process are better equipped to pick their battles. And they feel more comfortable letting something go when that's not going to advance their cause at the end of the day. Um, When you're going through a separation and divorce, you're probably already somewhat locked into this acrimony (laughs) with your spouse. And that's the norm. You don't have to do that anymore. You can disattach from being in constant fight or flight mode and start to pick your battles. And those people that have have mindfully chosen to take care of their emotional health can do that a little more better than others. That's right. Everything does not have to be an emergency. Right. I think that when you are first beginning this process, there is a tendency to get stuck or caught in fight or flight mode. And every little thing that happens, you know, send you over the edge and it doesn't have to be that way. No, it doesn't. And when you recognize that, that in and of itself is a huge step um, towards self-care. What are some things that you can do to proactively take care of your emotional health during a divorce? Well, I think seeing uh, a talking to a person, whether that is a profe- mental health professional or uh, a, a support system, whether those are friends or family members 
those are good active steps that you can take. Um, and I, I think that you can do that regardless of your financial picture. Um, there are loads of resources out there for ways that you can take care of your mental health, whether that's just calling your, your insurance company and um, asking them who's in network um, or finding a trusted friend who's going to listen to you and not ramp you up. You want somebody who's going to be constructive about it, but you can find that trusted friend to talk to or, or a family member. So maintaining good relationships with people um, and, and using those relationships where you can, whether it's a professional relationship with a therapist or a personal relationship, those are both good steps to take in the way of, of managing your emotional health. And then I think um, things like meditation, um, journaling, if that's your deal, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about exercise as part of the physical health component of this, but I, I think that your physical and mental health are so tied together that you get huge benefits from your emotional health by taking care of your physical health. People, there are some people that enjoy reading and so they might find a book or a topic, um, or a blog that, that they identify with and that helps them through the process. So I think it's about figuring out what you enjoy doing that also makes you feel healthy. Um, th those are the ways that just come to my mind that will help you care for your mental health. And this may be a very basic thing, but it's something that I've had clients tell me has helped them tremendously. Make your home comfortable. If you were the person who stayed in the house and your spouse left, but they left all of their stuff there and you just don't want to look at it anymore, maybe you pack it up and you put it in a box. You don't get rid of it because, you know, your lawyer is going to probably tell you that's a bad idea. Right. <laughs> but stick it in a box, maybe put it in the garage, maybe put it in a corner, but you don't have to look at it anymore. Mm -hmm. And you begin to make your home yours. Right. And if you're the person that left and you're setting up a new household, you know, maybe you get yourself some stuff that, that makes you feel good. Maybe you decorate it in a way that you like that your spouse would have never let you do. Something like that. But just these very basic things can be very helpful. That's a great point. And, you know, another thing that comes to mind with respect to actions that you can take to better your your emotional and mental health um, is is to be organized and, and to simplify things. Um, you're going to be asked by your lawyers to put together an incredible amount of information. And if you can take that step by step and you can get your arms around what your assets and debts are and what everybody's incomes are um, and sort of simplify that process in your own mind, it just sort of clears the clutter. Absolutely. Um, I, I find that a, a the simpler my environment, <laughs> the less cluttered my head. Um, and, and maybe that's true for other folks too. Absolutely. Get yourself some file folders and file those papers. Right. And I mean, really, it's like you're, you're clearing your mind as well while you're doing that. Exactly. So we've talked a lot about self-care as it relates to emotional health. In addition to taking care of emotional health, you also need to make sure that you're caring for your physical health during the divorce process as well. So what are some things that you can do? 
Well, I have sort of a basic list of things that I, I think are important to physical health. Um, and that is eating. Don't forget to eat. Right. <laughs> um, and be mindful of what y- you eat. Um, but, but usually, uh, the folks that I see that are going through this process become a bit depressed. And I see a lot of my clients lose a ton of weight. Um, and that's probably not a healthy <laughs> weight loss. So it, it, I think it come, becomes important for you to really be mindful about what you're eating and make sure that you're eating enough. Um, don't self-medicate. Uh, if you need medication, get it the right way and <laughs> go to the doctor and have him or her prescribe it for you for the amount of time that you need it. But don't take somebody else's medication. Don't, um, don't take old medication that you got prescribed years ago. Don't medicate with alcohol. Um, th- those are all things that, that just lead to your mind being cluttered. You know, I I tie, like I said before, physical health and mental health so closely together that, that I I think these kinds of things that you do physically can either help clear your head or can clutter it back up. Um, Exercise is important and exercise can be as simple as taking 10 minutes to stretch or going for a walk, or you can be more aggressive and you can go get a great workout at the gym um, either way, if you move your body mindfully to, to have some activity and to get some exercise, that's a good thing. And then one of the things that I think is most important, maybe, maybe the most important thing is sleep. Um, you got to figure out how to sleep and sleep well. Um, and, and hopefully the other things that we've just talked about, the eating well, the not self-medicating, the getting exercise, hopefully all those things lead you to be able to sleep restfully. But that's another problem that my clients have during this process is that they don't sleep well. And that's another um, opportunity to have a conversation with your doctor about whether it is appropriate to to get medication for that or whether it's not. Uh, but, but that's a question for your doctor. And the only other thing I would add, um, find whatever activity that you can that reduces stress for you. And so if there is something that historically you have done that makes you feel good, maybe you like to go to art class or maybe you belong to a running club or whatever it is, keep doing that activity. Don't let it fall by the wayside because you're going through a separation. You got to keep doing what makes you feel good. Yeah. And the key to that one is what makes you feel good long term, right? Not what Absolutely. makes you feel good for the moment. Because I could eat a whole pizza and drink a bottle of wine, and I'd feel good until tomorrow. Until tomorrow. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about emotional health, physical health, taking care of ourselves to make sure that we can get through this process. What is the best way to make sure that you continue taking care of yourself during the process? For me, I am a big list maker, and it helps me to put pen to paper um, for for whatever it is I'm I'm doing. So I think one strategy um, for actually accomplishing your self-care goals, whatever they are, is to put it in writing. Um, And then maybe you share that writing with somebody. 
whether it's a friend or a therapist or a coworker, somebody who will support you and help you be accountable for those things, who will ask you whether you went for your walk that day, um, who will ask you whether you've eaten lunch, <laughs> you know, people that can, can help police that for you and hold you accountable are ways that you can be successful actually doing those things. Um, I, I think just creating the habit is helpful and creating habits takes a little bit of time. Um, but once you have created the habit, it's a little bit easier to do. Right. I think it's about having a plan, having a concrete plan with goals. And then as you say, write that plan down because it's harder to ignore if it's on a piece of paper and staring you in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know, you, you want to create the goals that are um, achievable and reasonable um, and that can be measured in some way because then you know that you're accomplishing them and you get, you know, you'll, it's a small victory when you've accomplished one of your goals. Um, and when you continue to have those small victories, that adds up. And I think an important component of a lot of these plans is coming up with your team of professionals who are going to help you. Yes. Your divorce lawyer, your therapist, your accountant, mm -hmm. your financial advisor. That's right. Any other financial experts you may need to help you get through this process of dividing up the marital assets. Right. Come up with those people, write them down, make them part of your plan. That's right. Um, to have that team into place can really take a load off of you. I mean, you, like I said before, there are some things that we can't do for our clients, and, and the same can be said for some of those other professionals. But um, once we all have the information that we need, we get to do the heavy lifting. Uh, we get to take your mind off it um, so that you can continue to function in your everyday life. This is so consuming, this process. Um, you, you may find that if you're going through a divorce, you can't focus at your job. And that's not good. You, you probably need that job. I need my job. Um, or you can't focus to take care of your children. Um, that's huge, especially if you have children, to, to practice self-care. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, the, I, I think that your children know. Um, and it's also better when you are armed with um, emotional and physical health to care for all the other people that you got to care for during this difficult time. Are there any resources out there that folks can look to for help with self-care? Yeah, I think there are a ton of resources. Um, you got to be careful <laughs> at what you're looking at. Um, the, the internet has a load of resources, some of them very good and some of them not good. So you just have to be careful and mindful about what you choose. Um, but beyond the internet, actually interacting with people in a positive way in person is a good thing. And there are plenty of, of groups that are geared towards people going through a divorce. There is a divorce care group that generally meets at uh, various churches that is an in-person support group for folks that are going through it. And I believe that there is a part of that divorce care group that is also geared towards children. So that's a, an option for people. 
Um, again, call in your health insurance provider to find out what the resources are that are available through your insurance can be a huge benefit. And you might uncover some things that you never knew you had access to, um, whether those are counseling services or other kinds of alternative health services, acupuncture, massage, nutritionist, all those um, resources can be great during a time like this. Um, there is a, a lot of, or there are a lot of books that are available for people specifically geared towards people that are going through the divorce process. Um, and there are books that are geared towards self-care when you go through the divorce process. I think it's a hot topic. Um, and over the past several years, there have been a lot of writers and authors who have put together books about this topic specifically. Um, there's also a resource that is a triangle uh, this area of North Carolina related resource, and that's Alliance Behavioral Healthcare, um, which is a website that you can seek assistance for uh, mental health needs and other kinds of resources that might be beneficial to you and your family when you're going through a divorce. Um, and I think another really important resource for folks who may be experiencing domestic violence is Interact. Yes. Um, if you are in Wake County, Interact is available to help you. Yes, absolutely. They're a great resource for for a lot of reasons. But certainly if you find yourself in a, a situation where domestic violence is part of the issue, they're fantastic to work with. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for joining us today and for your thoughtful discussion about self-care during the divorce process. If any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to reach you? The best way for folks to reach me is either at my direct office phone number, which is 919-250-2176, or through the website, and that's smithdebnamlaw.com. Well, thanks again for joining us today, Lynn. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of A Year in a Day. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at jdavis at divorcestuff.com. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review on iTunes. As a reminder, while in my role as a lawyer, my job is to give folks legal advice, the purpose of this podcast is not to do that. This podcast is for general informational purposes only, should not be used as legal advice, and is specific to the law in North Carolina. If you have questions before you take any action, you should consult with a lawyer who is licensed in your state. 